Leafs embarrassed on home ice in game one of the playoffs. Tampa laid a beatdown on Toronto. So much went wrong. Let's rant about it on today's edition of Locked On Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the April 19th edition of the Lockdown Leafs podcast. It's your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. Uh, I've got Dave Morissuti with me from Sportsnet. Uh, Lockdown Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free. Wherever you get your podcasts from, you can catch us on YouTube as well. That's Lockdown Leafs. we got new content coming out Monday through Friday uh it's all leaves all the time so if you're a part of leaves nation you want to be part of uh, the lockdown leaves family as well uh today's show is brought to you by game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nhl for 20 dollars off your first purchase and uh i don't know how many leaf fans would have been happy with the amount of money they spent on their uh tickets to game one today dave they probably would have liked to have had a coupon code to at least save 20 bucks because that certainly was not worth uh, the price of admission, the effort that the Leafs put that put forward tonight, that's for sure. I mean, the 20 bucks would at least paid for a beer for them tonight. Uh, the, the one of the 18 beers you might need to forget about it. Uh, yes, Mike, just so you know, I poured one out for the poor people who spend thousands of dollars probably to sit in the lower bowl at that game tonight. Just- there you go, buddy. Dave Morissuti, for the people, for the people, people. and the people. Well, I mean, the Discord said to spice things up. So, dude, all right, let's let's get into this. Um, I mean, I just can't believe that they came out as flat as they did. Like uh, that might have arguably been, if not the like one of the worst periods that they played all season long. And for a team that has been waiting to get back to this moment, like back to the playoffs, game one against the same team that eliminated them, like they should have been frothing at the mouth to start that game. And instead they lay an egg and couldn't complete a pass. They were missing assignments left, right, and center. They were allowing guys to walk into the middle of the ice. They weren't clearing out the net front. They weren't touching anybody. They weren't laying any hits. And they were playing timid, scared. And it was legitimately embarrassing that first period. And next thing you know, it's three nothing. And the Leafs Arena, I was down there tonight, was radio silent. Radio silent. It, it, it truly was maybe the worst period and worst starts that this team has had all year. Yeah, I would agree so. And I think it's just also the Tampa Bay Lightning realizing that everybody can say how bad this team is on paper. We're just going to go out and play and make the Leafs actually prove that they're better than us and can beat us. And they got beat by Corey Perry tonight. Like, yeah, like that's that's where we like. I mean, obviously, Braden Point had a thing or two to say about it. But like that, that's the killer part is that who beat the Leafs tonight? Right. It wasn't just the Kucherov and points. It was a guy like Corey Perry who, let's face it. Dude. Go ahead. I, I'm just like, yeah, like Corey Perry for sure. But like. Hedman left the game after the first period. Yes, he did. They didn't even have to deal with Victor Hedman for two periods, and they still weren't able to win this game. 
And Eric Chernak missed a good part of that game as well. They lost two of their top four defensemen. They lost two of their only, like, actual defensemen. You know, like, no disrespect to the other guys. I shouldn't say that. But Sergachev was still there, technically. Yeah, but, yeah, they lost two two of their three best defensemen. Like, it's Sergachev and a bunch of third-pair guys, like, at best. Third you know, seventh defenseman type type of players. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and they still just weren't able to to do anything. I mean, they clawed back into it, you know, a little bit, I suppose. You know, they they brought it from a 3 nothing to a 3-2 game. And then again, they they let Tampa take control of the game once again. And and then it, it was really over once it became 5-2. There was the replay and the goal was confirmed. And then Sheldon Keefe, a Hail Mary challenge where it's like, I don't really know what goal interference he was expecting to get. I mean, I was there, I was down um, in the media scrum tonight and he was asked, you know, what, what his thought process was. And his explanation was if there was even a 5% chance that they could have potentially, you know, seen that and reversed it, like we were going to challenge it. So he thought it was the slimmest margin. There was one in particular uh, angle that they had that said eh, maybe and that was enough for them to challenge it because they felt at that point you know five two the game was over if that goal were to uh were to stand so you know if they take the penalty and allow another goal which is exactly what happened um it, it didn't matter because in their eyes the, the game was too far out of reach and i mean it's 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 true you look at the way that they're playing i mean there's there's just no way that they were going to come in get back into that game um but yeah, it was it, it was brutal, man. And and like Ilya Samsonov, uh, his worst game as a Maple Leaf, I would say, thousand percent. Like he allows six goals. I mean, four, f- five of them actually, <laughs> pretty weak goals. That like he's he's typically is able to stop four of them. I'll say. Um, and now the, the big question, Dave, is is he going to be the starter for Game Two? I I did not anticipate having this conversation today. I really did not. And I wasn't even having the conversation. Like, I understood Joseph Wall coming in to play the third period. I, I totally get that. Whatever. Give Sammy a chance to uh, to take the night off. The game's out of reach. It's over. Let Joseph Wall get some playoff action. And a little bit of experience. But then he was asked post-game if uh, he's made a decision on the game two starter or if it was too early to tell. And he decided to not dismiss the idea of a conversation to be had, um, but said, no, it's still too early to tell. I'm sorry. If you are considering Joseph wall for game two, I mean, that's just, that would be such a panic move out of this Toronto Maple Leaf, like such a panic move. And look, because they got, they lost this game and they lost this game in the fashion they did game two is a must win. Game two is game seven. Game two is game seven. For this Maple Leafs team. And you're going to tell me that you have more trust in Joseph Wall, who's played a grand total of 12 NHL games, only eight of them coming this season. You have more trust in that guy over Ilya Samsonov at home, who's been a stud at home outside of tonight's game. Like, I I just, I, I find it, I found it very weird that Keith didn't dismiss the goalie question and say, no, 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 Samsonov, tough night. He'll be back. He'll be ready to battle come come Thursday. He's our guy. That that wasn't the answer. Too early to tell was uh, was the answer to the goalie question. I hated, I hated that answer so much. I dude, like 
he had a bad game. A lot of players on that team had a bad game. Are you going to say they're going to have question marks them on every other player on the team? Who had a good game, Dave? Did anyone have a good game? Oh, my God. Did anyone have a good game? Was Carlton the Bear pretty exciting at that game? Yeah, I would say Carlton the Bear probably was the Leafs MVP. Carlton the Bear, I thought, uh, you know, Danielle Emmanuel did a good job hyping up the crowd outside. But in terms of the people on the ice, no. I don't think there was a single good, you know, singular performance where they were good pillar to post, no. Because now what I hate is this is going to be the talking point over the next couple days, most likely, and not the fact that a lot of the things that were done wrong in front of Samsonov were were the bigger issues, in my opinion, than Samsonov's play. I have every belief that Samsonov can rebound because he's been good for most of the season. And so now it's just like, now Samsonov's going to have to hear about this for the next two days. Like, Sheldon Keith to me, deserves a lot of heat for what's happened in this game and also what's going to come about the next two days because I don't think John Cooper, let's say, you know, back in the early days of Andre Vasilevsky, I don't think John Cooper's doing that. Like, there's no way. You're not doing that. Why are you creating a problem that isn't there? All that Keith had to say was, Sammy's in next game. I'll say this. The way the question was worded, because, you know, I was there. So the way it was worded was something to the effect of, you know, Joseph Wall started the third period. Are you, do you have, uh, you know, an answer on who's going to be in net for game two? Or is it too early to tell? So he kind of led the witness into yeah. answering it. But still, he could have said, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be Sammy. He's going to come in and blah. But no, he he just said, yeah, too early to tell. So it was it was a weird question. It was a, 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 a strange, <laughs> strange answer. That's for sure. And leaves a lot of questions uh, for, for the Maple Leafs. That's that's for damn sure. Um, there was a lot of... of I mean, we'll, we'll get to the Michael Bunting stuff uh, soon. We'll, we'll do our good, bad, and ugly as well. But there was a lot of conversation swirling online about the officiating in tonight's game. And I, I just want to say one thing about the officiating. Um, it had, to me, it, it doesn't matter because the start was so inexcusable that uh, it really didn't didn't have any bearing for me. Like, I know once the Leafs got into it, like the call that that uh, who took David Camp took that slashing. Like yes, it was a brutal, brutal penalty. There was uh, there was another penalty that the cross check where yeah. he didn't even yeah a little forearm shove. That's it. It was a little shove out of my way. Like oh here you go, a little shove, and he, that ends up getting a penalty. And then there was another one too that I thought was uh, there was like a holding call that was just bogus as well. That was dumb. So there's a few penalties. Like I understand that. The referees, and I don't know if you saw Chris Chelios on the ESPN broadcast, said that it was the worst officiating he had seen in years. And there was a lot of question marks with the officiating going into this game with the relationship between Wes McCauley and uh, and Sheldon Keith. And those questions that people had are, are only going to get louder with the way that this game was officiated from, a, a, you know, a, how badly Toronto kind of got a lot of soft calls on them and then were unable to draw many soft calls. I mean, you look at the the power plays, eight to two, eight to two. I mean, that's that's 
or eight to four, sorry, eight to four. Like they literally had double the amount of power plays. Um, but anyways, the point that I wanted to make was I don't think you can necessarily say the referees cost them this game. They cost it themselves with the awful, horrible start that they had. That yeah. that's ultimately the uh the truth of the matter. So you know, it's unfortunate uh that that's how Toronto decided to come out and play. When you take on the Tampa Bay Lightning, that's what's going to happen to you if you are not prepared mentally and physically to play a playoff game. That's the one team that you do not want to do that against because they know how to flip the switch and they know how to get things done. Um, Toronto, we all thought that this they were going to get something done tonight. Uh, not the case. They were not bueno. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we'll go through uh, the good, the bad, and the lots of ugly from tonight. And there is an update uh, on the Michael Bunting situation as he hit Chernak today. Got a match penalty. Uh, player safety does uh, has you know tweeted out exactly what will be going on going forward. So I'll, we'll tell you guys about that as well. Uh, before we get any further, though, let me tell you about one of today's show sponsors. It's uh, it's game time. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sporting events, uh, music, comedy, theater, whatever you want. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you'll have. Uh, they've got flash deals on, on last-minute tickets, easy to find, and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. You can see images of views uh, from your seat, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, etc. Uh, game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Uh, get to uh, buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Uh, snag the tickets without any stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LockedOnNHL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code uh, LockedOnNHL for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Welcome back into the Locked on Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DeStefano with my co-host Dave Morissuti. Uh, Maple Leafs with a 7-3 loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning in game one of the uh, of the NHL playoffs uh, in series one here. It was a mess. It was an ugly one, Dave. Uh, let's get through our good, bad, and ugly from this game. We probably have the same good, I would say, because it's the only thing that you could consider good tonight. Uh, the rest is pretty bad and ugly. Um, and, and that was the, the power play, which, you know, at least uh, got, you know, a couple of goals for the Leafs tonight, two for four. And we harped about how the power play was definitely something that um, they needed to get going this year, how important it was going to be, how porous it's been the last three seasons. So to get off on a good, uh, you know, a, a good footing here by scoring on 50% of your opportunities I thought at least was a good showing for the power play. Unfortunately, that's uh, about the only time that the team showed up, I would say. Uh, but that was pretty well the only good from tonight's game, in my opinion. Yeah, the only good and <laughs> the only good that came about is all that talk about Ryan O'Reilly being put on the uh, 
on the top power play unit. And yeah, no, he lo and behold, he goes and scores. So that yeah. was nice. But what was even better is that the second goal was by William Nylander. Yeah. Well, there was like still like Tavares still out there and Marner, and it was still like a half PP1, PP2 type of situation, which was kind of kind of funny. Um, but yeah, that that really uh, I don't know if there's anything else that you liked that you you, you think was pretty good that you want to see continue. No, nothing, eh? Yeah, nada, I'm, nada. I'm with you. I'm with you, buddy. Uh, the bad. What was uh, what was something that it doesn't fit in in your ug- or that fits more so in your bad category? I mean, there's a lot of ugly, but you know, what's what was bad? Like, oh man. It's just you're, I'm like a kid at a grocery store. Like, which one do I want to do? I know, I I know. You know, I, I'll. Justin Hall was bad. Oh, he was ugly tonight. Yeah, no, he's in my he's in my ugly. I'm gonna get to that a little later. Uh, bad. You know, was, I thought Martin and Matthews were bad to start the game. Like, where were they? Dude, they were pretty bad the whole game. I mean, they they had that one really nice play that they finished off with uh, with with Yarncroft when the game's over yeah. and it doesn't matter, of course. But like outside of that, yeah, like sixty-seven and thirty-four, nowhere to be found, man. Nowhere to be found. Like Marner couldn't handle the puck tonight. I don't know what what was going on. Like, did the moment get too big for him? Like those those are the two guys that are going to take these two teams and and are going to take these this team to the next level. And you know, it's it's been all talk all season. Like, you know, maybe this is the year that they get it done. They're they're doing you know this that and the other. Maybe it looks as though they're ready to compete and, and, you know, play a playoff style game. And then all of a sudden playoff comes around and they, they shrink, they shrink when the moment is here. And it just makes me feel like a fool for believing that this year was different with those two guys in particular. Um, It's only one game. I mean, of course there's so much time for them to dig deep and, and find it, but man, did they ever lay an egg in game one? I'm with you, man. That was, that was a bad performance by those guys. We know those two can bring it any time at any plot time, but it all comes with they're willing to do it up here. It's a mental thing. Why is Corey Perry such a good player against the Leafs in the playoffs? Because mentally up here, he knows he can do it. He knows what he needs to do to get the job done. Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews still haven't figured out that switch. We talk, I, I, oh God, I'm sorry. If I hear the word switch one more, t- I brought it up. But if I see the word switch one more time, I'm going to lose it because <laughs> I keep hearing about this switch that they got to flip. And it's true, but it's on them to figure it out, right? Maybe maybe this is a case where you split them up. Like, I think you have to split them up, in my opinion, because the two of them together in the playoffs hasn't really worked enough. Dave, look, I... I very much was not a fan of the way that Keith was rolling out this lineup. Um, I've spoken on, on this show. I've spoken on Leafs lunch. I've spoken on, you know, many other shows about how I truly felt building down the middle and spreading out the wealth and, and having a deeper team as opposed to just going straight, loading up the top six and then having a, a, a weaker bottom six the way that Tampa's built, I felt that they could get an advantage with three lines that could score compared to Tampa's just two. And three lines that could play defense also against Tampa Bay. I felt like it would give them a better matchup advantage, in particular when they're at home. And they just, for whatever reason, Sheldon Keefe didn't do that. He he did load up the top six. I was like, okay, we'll give it a go. We'll see what it looks like. It, it, it didn't look great because, again, 
Top line got shut down. The second line didn't really do a whole lot, I would say. And the third line didn't do anything. And the fourth line was scored on a couple of times. So, like, it, then all four lines became pretty uh, pretty blah. Um, not to say that, I guess, if you would have spread the wealth a little bit, that things would have been different. But I don't know. For me, I, I'm with you where I look at the lineup and I think, yeah, there's probably got to be some changes um, going into the next game because there's – I mean, you went through all those combinations the last two months of the season, uh, you know, to figure out what you like, what works. And like I thought tonight that, uh, you know, once Yarncroft got up back up on that top line with Matthews and Marner, I mean, they, they looked like they had a little bit of a spark towards the end of the game when it was completely over. Um, so maybe they do roll back with that come, come game one, especially since there's a possibility that Michael Bunting could be suspended for – uh, the, the next game as well for his hit on Chernak. We'll, we'll get to that uh, in a moment um, with player safety, you know, coming out uh, talking about how uh, he'll have a, a hearing on that hit. So we expect something to come down. We can get into it in a sec. Uh, but yeah, like the, really the, the big boys did not, uh, did not perform tonight. So certainly a, a bad performance from them. Okay. The uglies, Dave, go ahead. List off, uh, list it off. The blue line was bad and leading the charge on the ice for six goals against all four of the ones that Tampa scored on the power play was Justin Hall. Now he wasn't the only bad defenseman. He wasn't the only bad defenseman. I thought Giordano didn't look great. I thought Brody had his struggles. Probably my, the better defenseman was Jake McCabe just because he was, making hits. He was trying to get things going. I think but, it was McCabe, by the way. I talked about that hold earlier that was kind of bogus. Oh, yeah. It was the McCabe hold that I thought was bogus. Continue. Uh, he had an absolutely beautiful hit. and I don't Oh, know, did he ever. I don't know what the Tampa bench was looking at in terms of like calling for a penalty. Like, screw off. Uh, <laughs> it made was... hit, I guess maybe because it looked like because he got his arm kind of up, but that was after the hit was delivered. Yeah, it, you know what? It, it it live it looked a little, but then when I saw the replay, I was like, that's pretty clean, man. Like that's through the chest, and you know, no head contact. Uh, that that looked pretty clean to me. So, um, and as we haven't heard anything also from player safety, so I assume we're good on that one. The bunting one, however, different. Um, yeah, I, I Justin Hall for me that was tough to watch man like i look i'm i'm not a uh like i'm not one of the hall haters like i, I probably i give i i feel like i give him his flowers more than most people um just because i know how much he's he is the despised by a lot of leaves nation he didn't do himself any favors tonight man like i still can't believe like if you watch that that first goal i don't know if if, if you want to pull up that uh that goal from from tonight the, the Corey perry goal but they're, they showed an angle, uh, like the behind-the-net angle, and Justin Hall had an opportunity just to line up Corey Perry in behind the net. Like the guys trying to skate the puck around your goal, you have a chance, you know, kind of going downhill to lay a, lay a massive hit on the guy behind the net at the side of the cage, and instead you actually shy away you, you, you skate away from him, and Corey Perry cuts to the center of the ice, and it turns into the first goal of the game because that guy was just not willing to play physical and, and make the hit, make the play that was necessary at that time. 
Yeah, I got like it. That, and it, that was just like the like that was a minute and a half into the game. That was the first big mistake by by Justin Hall. The first, you know, a little bit of like timidness out of his game, and it just got in his head. And and we saw it from from you know literally there on out. Yeah. So we're watching the play here. Watch Justin Hall just kind of skate right by him. Like I don't know if he thought Corey Perry. It, it almost seemed as though he thought that Perry was going to take the puck to the outside to the perimeter. But it's Corey freaking Perry, dude. Like. What does the pre-scout tell you about that guy? He scores in tight, and he takes pucks to the net. That's how that fourth line scores goals, right there in around the goal mouth. So why you decided to take the long way and, and think that he's going to try and skate all the way around to the perimeter, and you allowed him to cut in front of you because you took that angle and you you misread that play, I don't know what the hell is going on in his head. Because, I, I mean, again, I don't sit there in pre-scout meetings, but I can tell you, that Corey Perry certainly was not going to do that. So what made you make that read? I do not know. I really do not know. And his game just snowballed from there. It did. And like, you look at the, even the goal that, um, uh, which goal was it? It was actually the other goal um, on the power play where we did not know if the puck actually crossed the line. Yeah. Justin Hall is standing in front of the net, not, really covering anyone or doing anything he pokes his stick for like oh there we go i'll try to poke it and i'm just like what are you doing man like the play is on the side of the goal you're just standing in front of the net covering nobody yeah what did you make of that by the way i i don't know how they possibly confirmed the goal it was called a goal on the ice so i could see that it was inconclusive enough to overturn the goal but like to me there is a strong chance that that puck was still touching the red line. Like, in order to be a goal, the puck has to go fully over the goal line, correct? Like, you have to see white in between for a goal to count. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you possibly could have seen that because they confirmed the goal. Not that they said it was – like, they literally said the puck fully crossed over. I didn't see that. Did you see that? So, they showed the angle. I'm going to pull it up here where – they, this is the angle that was shown on the American broadcast, not on the Canadian broadcast. It wasn't shown until intermission of like the, like you see the puck to the left here. Yeah. But to me, that's, that's not still on the line, line, dude. That to me looks like it's still on the line. Like when look on the other side of the other post, the red paint, the red technically goes where the post is. So if that puck is still touching the post, it's touching the red. It's just still like I I don't know how you can say that's conclusive. That's what like, I mean. Like like there's no way that that is conclusively a goal. You could maybe say, yeah, I mean maybe it went in. Like it's pretty close, close enough. But I don't know how you could confirm that to be a, a good goal. But again, it, it it didn't matter anyways. That that game was out of hand, and you know that was I mean, just that, kind yeah, of that, the backbreaker. That, but yeah, that goal wasn't the backbreaker. The goal that was the backbreaker was point point on the power play when they were they were up. Brody, not too sure what he was doing, chasing point into the corner and then allowing him to just like zoom past him and cut across the net. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of bad tonight. Oh, it's terrible. terrible. That's for sure. Yeah, terrible. Well, one other thing that I didn't appreciate tonight, Dave, no pushback in the third period. Yeah, I. I the Leafs just were just like, you know what? The, the Leafs were playing in that third period like they've been playing the last few weeks, which is we're just going to get by the rest of these 20 minutes, make sure that 
nothing happens to us and we're just going to prepare for the next game. Yeah, nothing happens. Exactly. Nothing happens to us. That is the mentality. And honestly, to me, that's a little bit of a loser's mentality because if you look at what the team on the other end does in a game like that, that's far out of reach, you know, 6-2, 6-3, 7-3, whatever you want to, you know, whatever the score was. You know what that team on the other side of the ice does? They don't fold up shop, and they don't sit there and kill clock. They take a chunk out of you. They finish every single check. They start a scrum after every single whistle. They're putting gloves in your face, and they're ticking you right off and trying to take a chunk out of you so that you're not 100% the next game. And that gives them a better advantage going into that one than the game that they had just played. The Leafs? What did they do? Nothing. Nothing, Nothing, dude. Third period, again, just kind of passing the puck around. You know, they had that cute little goal that they had scored with Yarncroc. You know, a little tic-tac-toe. And just, you know, no finishing checks. You know, nobody was willing to, to drop the mitts at that point, send a message. Nothing, man. Literally no heart in that third period whatsoever. And that that's a big difference in in the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And what's so disgusting about that is we thought that bringing in Luke Shen, bringing in Ryan O'Reilly, bringing in a guy like Jake McCabe, Nolachari, you know, that those are the type of guys where in that moment they can send a message. Again, those guys, no, nowhere to be seen in those moments. Nowhere to be seen. You had Ross Colton laughing at that seventh goal that he scored on Joseph Wool. Like, you know what? You scored your seventh goal. Sure, you can celebrate scoring a goal. Get, get like it's seven one. It's seven to three, man. Like, like the Leafs, they were they were being laughed at in that third period. Yeah, and like, is that the message you want to be sent? Do you want being sent out that the other team could just poke at you and laugh at you when you're down? Like. We heard that, oh, you know, the Leafs aren't just going to sit there and take it. Sheldon Keith did say that. We're not just going to sit there and take it. We have guys that are going to step up. I only saw two, three guys stepping up really all game. That was Noel Achari, Jake McCabe, and Luke Shen at some in certain points. Er, um, er, early in the game. Third early. period, though, I didn't think those guys did a whole lot. No, because if they're not, if the rest of the team isn't going to do it, that's the problem. That's the problem right there. There wasn't the full buy-in from everybody in that third period to say, you know what? They they might think that this is just going to be a coast period for them. We're going to make them work for those final 20 minutes. Yeah. I was sitting next to uh, to Carlo Koliakovo in the press box, former Leaf, and um, the no cheering in the press box rule doesn't apply to that guy, by the way. <laughs> I will confirm. Oh, we're up Carlo on that one, huh? Yeah, it doesn't uh, oh yeah, he's he's sitting there. He's he's it's as if he's watching the game on on his couch watching TV and like literally like pass the puck, pass the puck. Oh, finish that check. But the amount of like finish the check comments that that came from that guy's mouth, which absolutely I was thinking the same thing, but of course I'm in the press box and I I didn't play the game for that team, so I can't get away with saying that stuff. But it's like though that they did every single one of their players like shied away from finishing the check. And you know the big boys like I Marner's not a a big hitter, but 
you know, at least lay a little, give a little bit of a, a rub onto somebody if you're going to finish a, a check, if you're going in on a four check. You know, Matthews, Nylander, uh, you know, Yarncroft, Kerfoot, like, just just lean into somebody a little bit because that's what Stamkos does. That's what Point does. That's what Sorelli does. And they, they wear you down over a series. The Leafs did nothing in the third period to take a chunk out of Tampa to wear them down so that they could take advantage of that later in the series. They did nothing. They let them coast. They even let them score another goal and laugh at them. Laughed him out of the building, yeah. and it was just an embarrassing effort for the Maple Leafs, and uh, the, they put themselves in a position where, once again, game two is now a game seven. They cannot go into Tampa down 2 nothing in that series. Can't, just simply cannot do it. It's it's must win here, pal. Yeah, because – and people are going to think we're ridiculous saying that, but, like – Look at what Tampa's done, what they've accomplished is because they know that when they have the momentum and they know when they know the moments to pounce and they know that if they go up to nothing right now, they can they're confident as high and as high as a kite to finish this one off in their home guard. Here's the thing. You you go down to nothing. You have to win the series four one. You have to sweep it. Basically, you, you only have one 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 mistake you can make. Basically, you have one mistake you can make that could cost you a game, and then you got to win the rest. History so. doesn't really suggest that going down three nothing is a good thing. And let's be honest here: you look at we just talked about the mental, like, you know, side of this Leafs team. Can we say that this team can mentally recover if they go down of a hole of two zero? The weird thing is, we haven't really seen it, no. right? Like That's they were down what three. 3-2 that one year to Boston. Yep. So they 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 forced a game seven to Boston. Were they down 3-2 or 3-1? They're down 3-2. Okay, so they forced a game seven. So they showed that. But typically, you know, they're they're leading. I think I guess Columbus too, they were down, was it 2-1, I guess, in Columbus in that best of five playing round or whatever. Remember that that unbelievable third period, like the game was over. They scored three goals in five minutes and then one in overtime, forced a game five, and the rest is history. So, you know, they've a couple of times they've come back from, you know, a do or die situation where they've been able to, to push on. But uh, typically they are the team that is leading and, and gives up the lead. So um, it's not a team that plays their best hockey late in the series, I think we could say, which means you got to try and pick up the wins early in the series because that team on the other side, that goalie on the other side gets better and better as the games progress not worse. So you got to pick up wins in game two. One of those, you get, basically you got to split Tampa for sure. Yeah. And you got to grab game two. Or you got no shot, no shot. At, you have to at, regain uh, home ice advantage. Right now the goal is you got to regain home ice advantage. That is winning game two and then splitting Tampa at, at minimum splitting Tampa. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, buddy. Let's take uh, one more quick break when we get back. Uh, let's get into this Michael Bunting hit and and kind of see what the situation might be for for Bunting and uh, a couple updates from the players uh, that were injured in this game from a Tampa perspective. A couple of big dogs could be out uh, for the next game potentially, and that could be the one silver lining. Uh, for Toronto tonight is is a couple of uh, their big defensemen um, leaving tonight's game with injury and you know 
we'll see what their future is, uh, you know, going forward into into game two. Uh, so we'll have that chat uh, on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Moore Studios and the Locked On These Podcasts, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back into the Locked On These Podcasts. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. If you're uh, still with us, we appreciate it. It was a tough loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, in, in game number one. But, you know, they'll get back on the saddle for game number two. We'll be here to preview that game and break it all down as we do each and every weekday, Monday through Friday. So if it's your first time joining us uh, and you've stumbled across us uh, either on audio or video on YouTube, um, you know, subscribe because we uh, we do put out new content each and every weekday. Um, so if you do believe you are part of Leafs Nation, you're going to want to be part of the Lockdown Leafs family as well. Uh, let's get into this Michael Bunting situation. Um Look, so Michael Bunting, for those who missed the play, uh, essentially it looked as though he was going to engage in some sort of puck battle or position battle, let's say, as he and Chernak were both going for a puck. And uh, we're showing it here on YouTube right now. You know, they're both kind of going, you know, uh, sort of going for a puck, going around the boards and, Bunting uh, gets the forearm up on Chernak, and he ended up down on the ground for a while and ended up uh, wobbling uh, and getting help off of the ice. So not a good situation for Eric Chernak. There was no update after the game either um, on on uh, on him and his status uh, going forward. But um, it does appear that he will be having a hearing with the Department of Player Safety. They've already fired out uh, a tweet saying Toronto's Michael Bunting will have a hearing on Wednesday for an illegal check to the head slash interference against Tampa Bay's Eric Chernak. Um, I do expect a suspension to come. Uh, two reasons. One, uh, it's Michael Bunting, and uh, there's a, a completely different rule book that they live by when it comes to Michael Bunting. And two, it was a pretty, pretty stupid hit that was, you know, Contact to the head, blindside, targeted, you know, all the criteria that typically goes into a suspendable hit. Uh, how many games he gets, that's that's one that I'm curious to get your thoughts on, Dave. So so before we, we even predict games and anything like that, let's take the Michael Bunting history out of all this and just look at the play itself. If it was any other player but Michael Bunting and they made that hit and you're a Leafs fan, you're saying that that hit is not a, like it's terrible. You should not see it. He probably and he deserved to get tossed from the game because interesting fact. Okay, I have an interesting fact about yeah. that. Uh, so I was chatting with Joe Bowen, voice of the okay. Maple Leafs, complete beautician um, between the periods, and and he was telling me that apparently in the rule book, an illegal check to the head or uh, head contact or whatever the penalty that he was assessed was. Um, there's no match penalty in the rule book for that play. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know if, if there's some sort of amendment or what the situation was. I, I would have to even fact check it, I guess, to be honest with you. But I did think that was interesting that, uh, that, that, that was the case. I mean, I thought it was probably worth, probably was worth the game suspension. I mean, 
it's not a play you want to see ever. It doesn't matter who's laying it, uh, you know, wh- which team you're rooting for. Now that's the type of stuff that does need to get uh, rid of, ridden from the game. Yeah, no, I, I, I just think that when, uh, when the head's targeted, well, the thing is what makes this tough is that bunting isn't really facing Chernak. He's kind of got his back to him, but he knows that Chernak's coming from behind him. Even Sheldon Key said he's bracing for some sort of contact. It's just that it's just the fact that he got his head. Like I know in um, what do you call it in um, in double IHF and world hockey stuff. Any check to the head is is a match penalty and you're yeah. getting tossed. So I'm just looking here. Rule forty eight point one, which is legal check to the head. A hit resulting in contact in the opponent's head where the head is targeted and the principal point of contact is not permitted. So like that's that's what the rule was is under i uh i just don't i'm just not seeing here whether it's assessed a match penalty and that's the part there that like that that was the tough part because that changed the game for the leafs right you know they they had well at that point they at was it four two at that point or was it still three two oh that's a good i think it was i think it was for I think it was four two because I think I think what happened was the Leafs scored to make it three two. Then the David Camp penalty happened, right? It, it and then I think then they scored. I think another penalty must have happened right after because the Bunting was sorry no they scored there to make it four two. Bunting penalty happened. Then the Leafs took another penalty after that to make it a five on three. That no, happened. it was it was the the challenge that was not. Uh, oh yeah, the challenge made it a five on. Yeah, the delay game for the challenge that they did. Yeah, that's how that sequence worked out. Yeah, see, too many yeah. fucking penalties to have to remember. But yeah, no, I know. I I just think you know what, like, I think they probably what they deemed was when it's a hit to the when it's a hit that leads to a guy leaving for a penalty. Ah, here we go. I found it. So actually, major penalty. There is no provision for a major penalty for this rule for an illegal check to the head. I can actually pull it up. Where exactly in the rule book I found it? So there is is no. So minor penalty for the violation of this rule. Minor penalty shall be assessed, and then there's provisions. Nothing for game misconduct or major penalty. It is only a two minute penalty. So my man's Bonesy was right. It's not in the rule book. Bonesy probably had that that one queued up. He knew it, or somebody, one of the producers, had it ready for him to go. No, that's all Bonesy. I know the producers. All Bonesy. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw. Uh, we won't name names. We won't name names. But no, yeah, that, that's you know what? Like, obviously, we don't know. In the moment, we don't know. Um, they pretty much probably took it as like if they did it as a different penalty. Like, I don't know what penalties. I guess hit from behind that can be that can be a five minute major in misconduct mm-hmm. but yeah the legal check to the head i guess yeah but other than that like i think it's going to be a suspension i think it's probably going to be a game at least i don't think it's going to be more than a game because again playoff games are weighted more than regular season games in the regular season that's probably two games that's a two game panel. That's a two game. Yeah, I, I probably agree with you. I probably agree with you because I, you know, listening to Sheldon Keefe after the game, like he was asked about the play and 
know, he said, well, you know, it, it looked like bunting was going in, you know, expecting for there to be some sort of battle position, positioning battle with Chernak who's a pretty, you know, big dude. And he was expecting that to happen, but Chernak didn't see him coming didn't have the pushback and was caught off guard when he went to go and engage. And that's how he ended up, you know, making that check. So completely by their standards, it was accidental. It was checking to the head and, and, you know, it, it was, you know, blindside if you could call it that, but it wasn't malicious, I think is, is what uh, Sheldon Keefe at least was trying to, to um, I mean, convey when asked about it, but uh, we'll see what the league thinks. I, I don't think it was malicious. Um, it was stupid, but not but malicious. It's, it, was, it, was, it was slightly shades of Nazem Kadri, though. I, like, did you not get that a little bit? I, we I like, did say we could see a Michael Bunting, Nazem Kadri cameo appearance here. Yeah. Where, he, where the emo- his emotions, like, he, you could see barking at the refs. Well, dude, I that first period, man, like right away, his first shift, Victor Hedman was in his grill, and, and they were beaking at him, they were pushing him, they're cross checking him, they're poking and prodding, just waiting for him to blow up because they know that he's the guy who's gonna get picked out of uh, any type of scrum, and I, you know, he did an okay job, I would say, I guess, not letting the emotions get to him early in the game. But that one obviously was uh, was was a tough play. Yeah, and I didn't even think Michael Bunting played well. On top of that, like he didn't really help that top line get going. Fumbled a lot of pucks. Yeah, just, I mean, no one played well. Like no that, just... everyone on that team didn't play well. But like, I just like I'm just like ah, he's not playing well. And then he's probably he's getting goaded into doing stupid things. And you just can't give your opponent that edge. And that's been my problem with Bunting. Like. I love the fact that he plays with an edge, but when he when the opponent knows that they can get him worked up so easily, that's an advantage you're just giving to the opponent way too easily. And bunting it costs them, and it might. And I honestly, it's probably going to cost them a game. And I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming he'll be back for the series. If you know, I don't see Sheldon. Keith yeah, there. yeah. I don't think it's like that. I didn't. Happened. I didn't like the whole. Yeah, I didn't like the whole. Oh, this could be Michael Bunting's final game. It's like. Uh, no, that's just silliness. I mean, no, I mean, I there's no way that actually suspend him for the rest of the first round series. I would be, I would actually laugh. No, I don't think that's the case. It's, it's not that. I mean, even if he gets five games, which I think would be egregious, oh my god, he's he's still back. Well, I guess it depends how long the series goes. <laughs> now I think about it, I mean, if this I thing mean, got him four or five games, then. Uh, it's probably uh, that, that I don't know. That could be curtains. Um, the actual direct quote from Sheldon Keefe, though, um, was Bunts to me is trying to win, win the line and set himself up to win the race for the puck. It got away from him, and uh, their guy wasn't expecting it. And that's kind of Sheldon Keefe's opinion of of how that play happened. Um, but we'll see. Again, uh, Department of Player Safety to have a hearing um tomorrow uh or wednesday which would be today i suppose for everyone who's, who's listening um for the the check to the head on on eric chernak uh so you know we'll we'll let you know on tomorrow's episode exactly what the update is on michael bunting and his status for game number two uh victor hedman's status for game number two also uncertain as is uh eric chernak both those two left with injuries um 
John Cooper was being very coy on both of those injuries. Uh, Didn't say pretty much anything. Um, Pretty well just said, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where we'll, we'll wake up tomorrow and see what happens. So again, not a whole lot of uh, information coming out of coaches in, in the postseason. They never want to give any, any advantage to the other team. But if Victor Hedman and Eric Chernak, who did not play, uh, you know, finished the game tonight, Hedman didn't play at all in the second and third period. If those guys can't go in game two and beyond, I mean, that is definitely a big advantage for the Maple Leafs. I know it didn't translate tonight. I, I get that. But going forward, like those, the biggest issue with the Tampa team going into the series was okay, they've got Hedman, they've got Sergachev, they've got Chernak, and then they've got three guys on the blue line. Um, without Hedman and Chernak, now you're sitting there with Sergachev and guys. So that that could. Zach Bogosian, here we come. Zach Bogosian, Hayden Flurry, Nick Perpix, Darren Radish. Like, we're going to, it's, it would be an interesting blue line. That's for sure for game number two if neither of those two players can, uh, can play. Um, but that, that could be an advantage for Toronto moving forward if the injuries are significant, where, you know, one or, or both of those guys do miss a couple games here. Yeah. No, for sure. And, uh, Maybe it, it changes the series a little bit. We'll see. Tampa's figured out ways to overcome injuries in the past. We think of last year with Braden Point being out for a good part of the series last year. So I wouldn't, I mean, you can have been such an important player, but again, we just saw Tampa can find ways to pull out a win without him in the lineup. So. Yeah, yeah, you are not wrong, my friend. Uh, I think that yawn means we should wrap it up because it's uh, what one a.m. time of, of and I got to finish this drink too. So you you got to finish your drink, and and we both got to uh, got to hit the hay and probably relive that uh, that game in our nightmares, man, because that was a bad one. But the best part about the playoffs is they can come back for game two, put together a much better performance. And then we don't even got to talk about game one again. We don't. We can flush this one and start to tee up game two, hope they come out better, and then afterward, hopefully we can have a positive and happy show. And we don't have to rant for 50 minutes. That's that's the game plan. So Toronto Maple Leafs, if you guys are listening, we don't want to rant. We don't want to be upset. You know, Leafs Nation does not want to be mad at the Toronto Maple Leafs. But then they put on stinkers like this, and it's just – so frustrating. So please, from the bottom of Maple Leafs, from the bottom of Leafs Nation's heart. And locked on Leafs. And locked on Leafs. Just put better, put forward a better effort in game two. A better effort is all we ask. Show up from puck drop. Not, you know, five minutes into the third period. That's all we ask. That's it. Also, a victory. Because be- it's must win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because must win. So we'll come back tomorrow. We'll preview that game um, and hopefully have a little bit more uh, information on Michael Bunting, Hedman Chernak, and uh, the goalie situation as well. So uh, a lot, a lot, I'm sure, will be uncovered in the next 24 hours when we hit these airwaves next. But that'll do us for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morrisuti. Go ahead, leave a like and a comment down below if you're 
watching here on YouTube. Uh, we'll be back with another episode for you guys tomorrow to preview round number two, or game number two of round number one. Uh, but until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.